You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. Everyone, welcome back to Faith and Other Oddities. Um, the show where we don't know what we're doing, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. Um, and since since the last time uh, we recorded, it's actually only been like two weeks, but it has been... It's been so busy. It's been a crazy two weeks. We've had a great time. Um, uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, the page Sundries mm-hmm. on Facebook, uh, we had uh, George and his wife actually were in the United States, and uh, we spent a few evenings hanging out with them. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, we got an interview show with him. Uh, it, it should be coming out soon if, if I don't have it edited and posted by the time this one's up. Uh, we'll, we'll get it out as quick as we can, but we had a great time with, with them. It was and, so fun. Yeah. Can't wait for him to come back to the, to the States. Um, it's, they, uh, we got, we got to introduce them to, uh, American barbecue. Uh, <laughs> the fried pickles were a hit. The fried pickles. Yeah. They were a big hit. And, because for those who don't know, uh, George and his wife are from Germany. Yes, yes. So we got to spend some time sharing American culture with them. Yeah, and then and then we went, uh, and that was that was a local place called the Meeting Place. Um, if you're in Norman, check it out. It's a some good barbecue, and they have uh, have a, a great selection of appetizers as well, including the fried pickles, as previously <laughs> mentioned. And then yeah. They, they said they wanted to go to some American places to eat. And I thought, well, what's more American uh, than uh, El Toro Chino? Uh, there's a restaurant here and it's, it's Mexican Asian fusion. You got things like wonton uh, nachos, mm-hmm. uh, which are fantastic. They're the fusion nachos with wonton chips and um, like a, like a Japanese style barbecue sauce mm-hmm. with spicy um, sour cream. I mean, it, it's amazing. And um, then you also have things like uh, carnitas egg rolls. That's what I had. Um, which so are also good. quite good. Um, so yeah, we uh, a shout out to El Toro Chino. We love your food. Um, not the, a sponsor. Yes, but- <laughs> not a sponsor. But um, George liked it so much. Um, the next day without even me asking how he, what he thought of dinner, he just goes, he tells me that that place we went to dinner last night was so good. He goes, he goes I would go there again if we came back. So um, you know, if you're going to have that kind of endorsement, that's, uh, I mean, all the way visiting from Germany, if he's thinking he's ever back in this area, that's where he wants to eat. Fantastic. So, and we will make that happen yeah. when he comes back. So yes, yes. Looking forward to that. Great, great restaurant, fantastic food and excellent service. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, but so I'd, come visit us is what you're saying. Cause yeah. we're going to take you out to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're ever in town, uh, we'll, we'll show you where all the good food is. Uh, that's what we know. We know a few <laughs> things about the Bible and where to find good food. I think that's accurate. <laughs> so that's, that's what we do. <laughs> so anyway, just I just want to share that because it was just a good time and uh, it really with, was with some other people who who are working. Uh, well, and for the I, Lord, I want to throw this out there too because so often uh, social media and online interactions kind of get bashed as a waste of time. And so this is a friendship that we made through Facebook. It was completely online. And then we actually get to meet them face to face. And it was awesome. We got to to really connect with people who share a love for the Lord, 
the love for sharing the, that love with other people. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, mm-hmm. it was a great connection. It was like finding family. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it was very, it was, it was, it was great. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll have that interview with George up soon. And uh, you guys can kind of get to know a little, get to hear his voice for those of you who have only met him through sundries. Great so, German accent. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, so. But speaking of food. Speaking of food. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good segue. Yeah. So right. let's ruin it. So- yes, to the Bible. Um. <laughs> so uh, we're still with Samson. There is so much in his story that is just, it's important and it connects to so many other stories. And we had left off with the birth announcement. And so we had this childless couple who this angel visits the woman and tells her, hey, you're going to have a son and he's going to be a Nazarite. So don't eat these things. Don't drink these things. Don't touch these things. Yeah. You can still get a haircut. For more information <laughs> on what a Nazarite does, check last week's episode. Exactly. And, uh, but the husband has felt a little upset and a little neglected because at no other point in any of these birth narratives where there's been a barren woman, is, does God visit the woman? He always comes to the man. So the fact that God is coming to, to his wife and saying, hey, you're going to have a child, this is causing this guy all kinds of, of problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he even prays and he asks God, you know, hey, can you send him back? I, I, I need to hear from him. And God, okay, I have discovered there's so much humor from God in the story. Because the way God answers this prayer, it isn't sending the man or the angel, actually, as we know him to be, back to Manoach. He sends him back to his wife. Mm-hmm. And so the wife runs and goes and gets her husband. And she says, hey, he's here. You, if you want to talk to him, you got to catch up. So they, they go and have this interchange. And uh, basically, the angel says, just do what I told your wife to do. I'm not going to repeat myself. <laughs> You, you know, it, it was really about her. Yeah. It's like, why, why are we making this harder than it needs to be? Just, yeah. Yeah. Just do as you're told. Well, and, and Manoak, I mean, he, he's violating all of the, the standard forms of politeness and etiquette for his culture. I mean, he doesn't offer the guy a meal. He doesn't uh, greet him properly. He, he's very defensive. And so after they had this little exchange, he realizes, oops, wait a minute. I, I, I need to feed this guy. Right. So right now we're contrasting with Abraham when Abraham rushes out to meet the three angelic visitors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus Manoach. Now, Manoach's character in all of this is so important because he is representing Israel. You know, this is a childless man. He hasn't asked for a son or a daughter or anything. He, he's just accepting what's going on. He seems to be completely unaware of most theology. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's just kind of clueless. And right. the writer really presents him as th- this fool who's just kind of bumbling through this encounter. But when he offers the angel the meal, the angel pretty much says, you know, even if you cook it for me, I'm not going to eat it. You, you've already messed up. Mm-hmm. Which, which I, I do think is, you know, again, we have a, we have a it's that counter narrative or I guess, yeah, it's not counter narrative. But just kind of contrasting mm-hmm. uh, story with, excuse me, with Abraham, like you said, the angel comes to the wife. When offered a meal, he declines it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, what's interesting too is, is you have like this, this, this 
specific display of power at the end where you, you really mm-hmm. don't have that type of of interaction um you know because later on it says when the when he, the angel says you know prepare an offering for the lord mm-hmm. and when the offering's prepared and it, it catches on fire the angel uh, the angel rides the flames into heaven yes i mean well, which i mean is totally different than how the abraham narrative ended well right because the that's your contrast the abraham narrative the fire came down mm-hmm. and here the fire goes up but we also have that connection to jesus ascent into heaven after the resurrection. Right. So this, this story, like so many um, parallel um, narratives in the Bible, it really plays off both the past and points to the future. Yeah. And so that's, that's the really awesome thing about these things. Whenever you begin to see how they do begin to, to pick up different threads to make you examine each story closer. So, but you're right. Um, Manoach, he, he really doesn't realize who he's talking to. Um, he, he has no, no clue that this is an angel at this point. He's still calling him an Ish. Sure. And, you know, Ish is specifically for a man. So he also realizes that he, he needs this guy's name. Now he, he kind of flowers it up a little bit. Uh, let me know your name so I can honor you whenever your prophecy comes true. So he's at least recognizing the guy as a prophet but he hasn't put all the pieces in place yet. Well, and I think it's kind of an interesting contrast with Moses' story here, because you've got Moses saying, well, who should I say sent me? And God gives a name. Mm-hmm. And here he's like, no, you don't. Why do you need my name? You've seen how great I am. Well, and you know what my name is. Mm-hmm. You, you've been told my name because his response is, you know, why do you ask my name when it is too wonderful? And, or it is wonderful. Now, the name is not wonderful. This is where the English kind of fails us. Well, there was an interesting way he phrased that in the ESV. Let me find that. What verse was that? That is verse 18. Uh, it says, why, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Right. So it's kind of like, well, what, you've already seen it. Why do you need to call it anything? It's, and that's... And to me, that's kind of funny because I think, I don't know, that it's just a weird way of phrasing it. Well, it's, it's to denote that the quality of the name is wonderful. Okay. The name itself is not wonderful, but, uh, you know, he's, his name isn't wonderful, Billy Joe Bob, you know, Smith. It, it, it's, <laughs> no, the, the One- name itself is a wonderful name. <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. I, it is early in the morning here in Oklahoma, and I've only had four cups of coffee, so. <laughs> it, it's early for someone whose kids... Are grown. Are grown. <laughs> um, yes. It's late for me. Okay, so, uh, well, I've also driven two and a half hours, so. But the only other time we have wonderful used in this as an adjective in the same form mm-hmm. is in Psalms 139. And, it, and the, the verse actually says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high I cannot attain it. Now, this psalm is the psalm that I think we're all familiar with about being knit together in the womb. And being fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we see that this, this wonderful name really only belongs to God. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, too, um, in the, sorry, mm-hmm. in the, the, the JPS, it says, um, you must not ask for my name because it's unknowable. Okay. So, so it's, it's, it's the same idea. Yeah. And I think we've kind of forgotten that wonderful really means to be filled with wonder. 
and to wonder about something because we can't grasp it. Sure. And that, that's the whole point here. And, you know, and, and in asking the name, I mean, like you said, we're right back there with Moses at the burning bush. Mm-hmm. We're also back there with Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestles with the angel. I mean, when, when the angel got ready to leave Jacob or when God got ready to leave Jacob, he grabs hold of him and says, don't leave until you bless me. Mm-hmm. Manoach's not doing that. He's not reaching out and grasping for this God so that he can know him. He, he, he attacked. I mean, he went into this full interrogation mode when he showed up. So mm-hmm. there's this huge difference of approach and opinion. And it, it's... Well, okay, so here... And here's something, this is just kind of speculation thrown out there. If you think about, you know, of course, the rabbinic, rabbinic commentary um, is, like you've mentioned, that if a man is alone with a woman, mm-hmm. there must be things going on. Right. And so if you're thinking about it from this culture, well, who's this man that you talk to and why does he know so much about your personal life? Well, you're hitting it on the head. And I think that's, um, I think that's kind of where uh, Manoak is coming through they're they're uh, coming from that, that he's like especially in this culture where it mm-hmm. where it was a little more you know uh <laughs> well but you're this is precise and even a lot of the language is very specific to sexual situations and mm-hmm. it's the language when i say the language i'm talking specifically about the language between the woman and the man of god and so this is one of the reasons why even the birth of Isaac and Samson are connected because Isaac was considered to be a son of God, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. just the son of Abraham. Samson is considered to be the son of God. Now, are we saying that this is in the same way Jesus is the son of God? Yeah. Absolutely not. It's more metaphorical, the, um, the weight of that position. Well, yeah. And, and see, I, th- I, and I also kind of see, a, a, well, because, because I was thinking about this, there is, uh, you know, we, we recently watched uh, uh, The Case for Christ on mm-hmm. commentarians, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I found interesting was, uh, you know, as, as uh, what was his name? Uh, what's the... Uh, Strobel. Strobel. <laughs> um, the, he, uh, you know, he was talking about the, he was mostly okay with it until they started using marriage analogies mm-hmm. um, for the relationship. Yes. And so uh, it's kind of interesting to me hearing, like, seeing that kind of parallel that there is that jealousy that happens um, sometimes with non-believers. Um, it, it's well, well, and with Noah, it's all, it's building up mm-hmm. because I mean, first of all, he's not even man enough of the house to, for God to visit or a prophet to visit. Right. And then there's this possible inappropriate relationship with his wife and this man that he's kind of on defense against. Mm-hmm. And, now this this man of God isn't even going to eat a meal with him. And so Manohawk's got every reason in the world to be offended, and he's running with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and really, this is giving us some insight into who Samson's going to be. Right. Because Samson is going to be the kind of guy that he's going to take every excuse to be offended, to run with whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But... The the other thing, too, is by refusing to give the name, the angel saying, you're not going to control me. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get to control me. Because in this culture, to have the, the name of a deity was to have control. They were, you could summon them at will. Sure. And so basically when he says, you know, why do you ask my name? He's saying, you've known my name 
You've had access to my name since, you know, the exodus. And you haven't bothered to call on me. So why should I tell you now? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, why give you something that you refuse to use? And so the angel does tell them, or the, this is the angel of the Lord. We haven't brought up this episode, but angel of the Lord is embodied God in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you're going to offer a meal, do a sacrifice. And Minoic. Yeah. Yeah. Minoic does. Yeah. He puts it on a rock. Well, and this, and this echoes back to Gideon. Precisely. Um, so we've got that, that whole theme repeated. Mm-hmm. And so it, it all ties in together. And you, you begin to see how everything in Judges is just reaffirming none of this is a one off. Right. This, this, this is a continuing pattern. And I am trying to catch up with my notes because we've been all over the place this I know. morning. <laughs> we, we, I've kind of, I kind of jumped, jumped around a little bit, but yeah, no, it's, it is very interesting just seeing how the, the ties, the contrast, the, you know, the, the parallels, different things like that. But I also think it's, it's interesting. Uh, as you read through the old Testament, you see that there will be similarities in mm-hmm. a lot of these stories, but God they don't get to the same place the same way twice. Right. Um, in most of these interactions. Yeah. And I, I do think there is something to that where God's saying it's not about, you know, just in the narrative, there's this idea that it's not about the ritual. It's not about doing things right. Correct. Uh, in fact, you can do everything wrong, but if I've chosen to bless you, I've chosen to bless you. Well, and they even do everything wrong. Not only is Manoak's approach wrong, offering a sacrifice on the rock and the language there is specifically the rock. So it seems to be that there was an ongoing practice of offering sacrifices, which completely goes against what the Torah had commanded. They should be offering sacrifices at Shiloh where the Ark of the Covenant was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a problem there. And we talked about that with Gideon, why this was a problem. And when they offer the sacrifice there, it is accepted because when fire comes down from heaven to accept an offering, then this is a good thing. Right. And we see this specifically with Elijah and the prophets at, at Carmel. And so there's also the tradition that when Cain and Abel offered their sacrifices, Cain knew his was rejected because no fire came down to consume it where mm-hmm. Abel's was consumed. Now that's a tradition, not part of the Bible. Right. But that's how firmly embedded this idea that fire coming from heaven was a sign of acceptance. And like you said, the angel ascended back with the fire. Right. And for one brief second, Manoak does what is right. (laughs) (laughs) He falls to his face in total awe. His wife falls on her face with him. And this is like the only point in the story that they are in unity. Okay. Which I think is interesting because what does this have to say about us as modern day believers? It, and you and I, on the car ride up, we even had that conversation about different people we know from different mm-hmm. denominational backgrounds. You know, we can be in uni- unity with them because all the conversations, despite whatever denomination they come from. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you, can, you can tell when someone speaks uh, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes. I mean, I mean, you're not going to get this out of every single conversation. So right. Like, as soon as they open the, their mouth, you know that, oh, they, the, you know. There's a sign from God, but, but you can, when you have a conversation with someone about, uh, theology, about church, about 
their their lives, especially uh especially those who are it seems like especially those who are involved in ministry, you can tell if they really love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, we've got a we've got a lot of friends who are pastors, um a oddly ton. enough. <laughs> um and it's like, you know, one's Baptist, one's charismatic, one is uh Lutheran, Lutheran one's Presbyterian, Presbyterian <laughs> Methodist. Uh, yeah, we we've got all these different pastor friends and it it's kind of funny you can almost tell when they're it, you can tell they love Jesus mm-hmm. and 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 no not just because they're a pastor because I do have some pastor friends who, <laughs> careful <laughs> I you know there are, there are some pastors that I've met and some that I would even consider friends that sometimes it just kind of feels like yeah. it's just their job yeah and um and I am not saying that they don't love Jesus, but I, there, there are those that you can really tell, like, regardless right. of what background that uh, I'm not, <laughs> I want to make sure I don't say that you can tell when people don't love Jesus on this, but it's just, you can tell with certain pastors, they just, they have that like excitement to mm-hmm. the, to mm-hmm. them about, uh, when they talk about faith and when they talk about God. And so what I'm trying to say <laughs> is I've been able to find people like that from every denomination, um, regardless of, of liturgy, regardless of tradition, because it is, it's, popu- you know, it's popular in the charismatic circles and some of the Baptist circles to say that people who are uh, high church liturgy, uh, into high church liturgy, that they, they don't really love Jesus. They just love their, they like their the liturgy. Yeah. They like their, their order. Um, and there's, it's popular among the people, some people who like the high church liturgy to say that the Baptist and the pres and the Pentecostals, uh, don't love God because they, they want their emotional high. Cause yeah. And, <laughs> and, but I think whenever you sit down and go and, and really talk to people, you can see where it is. You mm-hmm. you can see that it's not just, it's not just a routine. It's not just mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. And, and so yeah, that that was the conversation we were having earlier. I I don't know what got us on well, that particular topic, but that we that that I, we, I yeah. Think when, when, when we when we really love God, we we can be in unity. Is that where mm-hmm. we're going? Yeah, yeah. And I, it's not just a love for God it, in this instance, at least. It, it's really is that awe. It's that sense of we have been confronted by something so great and wonderful. Mm-hmm. that we don't even know how to wrap our minds around it. And I think that's one of the things that people of faith really like to do is to contemplate these things and to, to engage with that mystery. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, this is Manoak and his wife confronted with that mystery. And, you know, this is going to be the last time they hear from God. They never hear from God again. In fact, Samson never hears from God. Right. So this is the last thing, but you know, do they need anything more? Do, what kind of you know? I think an experience like that might kind of line me out for a while. <laughs> Just maybe a few days. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just it see it seems pretty um, dramatic. Well, I remember one of my teachers uh, when I was in seminary. He he said that the the more profound and impactive the the call was the uh, greater the suffering of the service. 
So, you know, that this is, seems to be true here, at least for Samson. But it's interesting, Samson doesn't have the experience. It's his parents who have the experience. Right. And so that leads to all sorts of questions about what did Samson know? What should he do in regards to being a Nazarite? And we're going we're to get more into that. But, you know, we'll stick with the text here because Manoach, when he, um, when he realizes what he's seen, he freaks out. <laughs> he does exactly what Gideon does. He does exactly what so many other prophets. I've seen God. I'm going to die. Yeah. And I love his wife. His wife is just so matter of fact. She's. If God was going to kill us, he wouldn't have given us marching orders. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's. Yeah. That is funny to me. It's like if he was going to kill us, he would have done it by now. He would not have given us a plan or a future child. Right. You know, it's, there's, there's no point. It's. And, and, but this tells us too, that, you know, there's this, this idea that the people and judges didn't know Torah, that they, mm-hmm. they didn't know what was going on. They knew enough to know that seeing God face to face would result in death. Right. And so they had to have known something. And I think too often we're quick to excuse them and say, oh, well, they were just ignorant. So they didn't know. I, there was some level of ignorance, obviously. Well, okay, so there's some level of ignorance, but there's also, I think there is this, it's kind of an innate just thing that people know. You think? I think so, because, I mean, if you really think, I mean, in some of the conversations we've had, I don't know if you've had them, but in some of the conversations I've had with people who don't believe, I mean, what's, what's what's one of the big arguments? Well, God's just so big and incomprehensible that if you did encounter him, it would probably break your brain. What if God was one of us? I mean, uh, I mean, seriously, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the argument is God, you know, the human brain couldn't, couldn't handle a mind that could create the universe. Well, uh, it couldn't, it couldn't handle the interaction with a creature like that. I mean, that's actually an argument. I hear a counter argument to Christianity uh, to say that, no, people didn't hear, prophets didn't hear from God. Well, and that's, so that's, I mean, like I said, I think it's something kind of innately known. Okay. I, I can, mean, I can go with that, that's, but. At the same time, I think that really demonstrates the, the level of grace and love God shows by appearing here in the Old Testament in this mm-hmm. embodied form, again, in Christ, and when he shows up today, and however that might be. Yeah. We'll talk about what those can be on another episode. So, but... So, yeah, that, that's my little... You know, it, it's, it's stated differently. Right. But it's still the same. It's still the same argument. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, and I'm just talking off the cuff here because you brought it up. It, it kind of makes me wonder, are we as Christians too comfortable with the idea of getting to encounter God? I think we are. I mean, I, I mean that's, that's one of the things. I mean, because when you think about the, the children of Israel, when God showed up on the mountain, they said, nope, yeah. don't want that. Um, <laughs> that's too scary. That's, yeah, that's scary. And so I think there is that innate sense. And whether, whether it is um, just a subconscious awareness of our own sinful state, mm-hmm. um, but God loves us. He doesn't want us to change. Oh. <laughs> Boy, that's... Oh. Love, Dude, I don't want to get started on that. I just want to say this. Love should be transformative. It is in every story we ever tell about romantic love. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, the Princess and the Frog. You want to go on and on. We can encounter after encounter in all of our romantic literature. It's transformative. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. would God be any less? I'll leave it there. Okay. That's fair. But yeah, it, it just, I, uh, yeah, I, I've, I, I don't, yeah, I, I definitely think we, we have, 
we we've become too comfortable. We we've made God too. Uh, He's our boyfriend. Know. Well, I don't want to say that, but it's it's too uh, too much like a teddy bear, and not like yeah. a real bear. Um. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Well, you know, it's it's Aslan. Is he safe? No, he's good. Right. And, and there's but, a difference. But yeah, I, I do think we, we've kind of, we've kind of romanticized, okay, this is, <laughs> this is going to sound crass because it kind of is, but I think this is the point that, okay, so this, the phrase undone. Okay. How many times have you heard that in a crap worship song that <laughs> someone just is it, they romanticize this idea of being undone, like God's going, like like the presence of, and and I'm not saying this doesn't happen. I mean, God works with us gently and patiently, but there's also they take the idea this this uh the 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 passage who is it from the prophet? You know, woes me, I'm I am undone. You know, it's it's oh. being shaken, it's being rattled, it's being terrified, and we take this idea of being undone from being something that's that's being terrified to being undone. In the way that someone thinks of like undoing like a bra, you know, <laughs> um, it's as in, and that is, yes, that's it's, exactly what you thought you heard. But, I, and yes, it's, it's crass, but it's, it's the way we've changed it. it it's right. not being undone as in I'm terrified and dismayed by my own awareness of how different and amazing God is compared to me to I'm I'm able to be comfortable around God. Well, I'm able to let my hair down. I'm able, you know, or whatever you want to say. No, I think you're you're getting at something because, you know, it is about the language and it's about how we use the language. And do we have any words left in the English language that we as Christians haven't cheapened and made so innocuous that they don't have power to change? Um, I. I that's a big charge. I know well, it, but and that's, and that's why we. That's why we have to get people thinking in concepts mm -hmm. and not sound not buzzwords. Okay, buzzwords and sound bites. You Cliches. Mean, I mean, seriously. I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can track it. I mean, someone someone will publish a book, and then we have our favorite buzzword for the next three to it's four years. It's a movement. It's a it, revolution. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, and and sure it's a helpful illustration for a moment but we've got to be thinking in bigger concepts yeah so, yeah um, <laughs> because we overuse words and they they lose their meaning awesome awesome love <laughs> uh you know whatever you want to do yeah so that's my rant um <laughs> this this go around i well, we're starting to keep it one in every episode this is awesome I, yeah <laughs> Ranty McGee over here. So um, <laughs> you've got the appropriate hat today. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> so no, I'm I'm loving this because I actually th these are the kind of conversations I think most of our friends wanted to sit in on anyway, and <laughs> yeah, they're more fun. Um, <laughs> they really are. So, but before we dig ourselves too big of a I hole, I love all my worship leader friends. <laughs> it's you know, God works in spite of us. Well, and that's okay. I'm going to segue back to Samson because that's what his story is all about. <laughs> and you should talk more. Now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she does have a son and she names him Samson. Now, um, I wanted to camp out on this for just a little bit because this is problematic. Samson is actually, uh, it's built off the root for the word son, Shemesh. Uh -huh. And then you add a noon to it. So that makes it kind of my little Samson, my little son. 
So oh, no. yeah, and of course I hear My Little Pony when you say that because <laughs> that's I've got a three and six year old daughters and yeah okay now stop okay okay get the music quit playing in my head. <laughs> So the problem with this, not only is it the word for sun, it's also the name of a god. And as a matter of fact, just a few miles from the, the town where Samson lives is a town called Beth Shemesh. Okay. And that it's known for sun worship. And we talked about some of this with uh, Joseph, uh, some of the sun worship and Potiphar's wife and Potipharah giving him the daughter. And so this is major debate now this is very confusing yeah this is brand new information for me too right well yeah what well, do we... a lot of times we talk about what like some of the basic mm -hmm. points are going to hit but yeah so... oh i've been doing a lot of work while you've been doing everything else yeah, yeah. Well, other I've been doing other a lot work. Of work too yeah, <laughs> yeah other work but, yeah yeah and so the 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 scholars all want to debate on you know why is his name samson is it appropriate that his name samson what should we do with this now block he relates the name back to the Song of Deborah because uh, the Song of Deborah, Judges 5, verse 31 says, Thus may all your enemies perish, Yahweh. May those who love you be like the sun, giving forth its strength. So that works because Samson's strong and to be like the sun, this, this is good. Yeah. But Block sees it as Samson's parents' ignorance being on display. He sees this as them kind of falling prey to cultural norms and saying, oh, this sounds like a great name. And it's like, you know, the Christian who names their kid Damien. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. No, don't do that. So um, there's also the argument that it's, uh, this is from the, the rabbis, and they said that it's based on Psalms 8412, for the sun and shield are Hashem, or God, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. So um, now another option that's out there is that Samson is actually his name in the story to play off of Delilah. Because if you know Hebrew, Delilah is built on the root for night, Lila. Okay. So you have the sun and night, day and night. Okay. So now I kind of lean towards Webb with a little bit of block thrown in. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, if it's a common name, it's a common name. Okay. I don't think anyone's immune to that. You know, we, we have so many kids who are named the exact same thing year after year. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You see the trends. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the song of Deborah would have been known to Samson and his parents. Mm -hmm. So it fits. Psalms wouldn't have been written yet. So I think the sages are kind of stretching a bit. Probably okay. wouldn't have been written yet. Um, but when Mano Mrs. Manoak, Went back to her husband, and she talked to him about, I don't know what to call her. She doesn't have a name. Yeah. Go ahead. When she goes back and talks to him, she doesn't tell him all of the angel's message. And one of the key points she leaves out is that the purpose for his birth is to begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. Okay. So by omitting that, she's kind of concealing why he's being born. And, and a lot of scholars see this as a protective move on her part, because one of the things that she does add is that he's going to be a Nazarite from the day of his birth until he dies. The angel never mentioned anything about his death. Right. So she, she has already seen his role as a deliverer, as a judge, as being life-threatening. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is a mom. Well, I mean, it's it, it's kind of normal to see that as being something life-threatening. I mean, you see what 
See what Gideon and all the others did. I mean, oh yeah, you don't go into battle without having a little bit of a life threat go on. So yeah, and when but it makes sense. It's like if mom's trying to protect him and she doesn't want to give away his identity and purpose just yet, help him blend in. Give him a name that could have a double meaning because she's a pretty smart gal. Right. We've already seen this. So I think for me as a woman, I, I would see how I would not, you know, if I'm going to have a child who's an Avenger of God, mm. I'm not going to name him Avenger of God. I'm going to give him something that can keep him safe while he's tiny. And yeah, she is the first of a lot of women who are going to dominate Samson's story. Yeah. <laughs> so Samson, uh, you know, it's hard to say his name without adding and Delilah, uh, particularly if you've seen Pass the Ammo. You almost want to sing it. Yeah. So <laughs> and if you can find that movie, you'll understand why that's funny. That's hilarious. But she is the last Israelite woman in his story. All the rest of them are going to be uh, Philistine. Mm -hmm. And now contrast this for a moment with Jephthah and Abimelech's mothers. Mm -hmm. The concubine and the prostitute. Where the, the word used could mean foreign woman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the writer is raising her hopes. We have the right mom. We've got the woman who's going to raise him to be a good and proper Israelite. We have a woman who's actually going to help her son be the man that God would want her to be. Yeah. Uh, want him to be. because and, and, that, and that she was a wife and not a concubine. and. She, She's theologically astute. She's she's logical. She's rational. She's she's got some uh, insight about her. Everything about her makes her a great mom. And not only that, she's working for a success before he's born. Right. Because right. she has to take the restrictions of the Nazarite on herself while mm -hmm. she's pregnant. Yeah. So you know we're supposed to be expecting great things from him, and we seem to be heading in that direction. Because the Lord blesses him. Um, that is verse, what, 24? Um, and the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. So we know what we're supposed to expect. Mm -hmm. And the writer really wants us to invest and hope for Samson's success in all of this. And that's kind of what makes what happens next kind of jarring when you when you read it with that that hope that Israel's going to they're going to be delivered they're going to be redeemed everything that should have happened but couldn't happen with the other ju judges because they were so flawed we're, it's going to happen now right no I, I, okay so you said and the lord blessed him mm -hmm. so the next verse i i don't know if you have anything else on mm -hmm. that but the next verse i i, I think it's kind of interesting as you know the spirit of the lord began to stir in him uh and is it Mahanadon? Mahanadon? Is that... Okay, you're asking me to read it in the English, yes. so... Um, between Zora and Eshtael. So mm -hmm. is, there, is there anything important about that geography? Like, because it's like very specific place. Yeah, not really. Uh, nothing that really showed up with the, the commentaries that I was reading. Mm -hmm. Um. If it is, it's it's buried deep, and it's probably the significance been lost just because a lot of these places we don't even know where they are. Okay, this is old enough that if we can definitely say this is a city or town that we know of, uh, we're that's good luck. I mean, that's not good luck, but you know, it's providence. Sure, uh, because most of these places, they, like I said, they're just they're before 
the kingdom rule, and that's when you really start getting a lot of the archaeological finds, uh, or more so than this this point in time, because we're still talking. Yeah, we've got some cities, but most of them they're clay, they're baked bricks, they're not. Mm. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of wooden structures, but I mean, wood even isn't going to last that long, right? Um, but it's a lot of stuff that's going to deteriorate. Yeah, it, it's just not something that's going to hold up. Yeah, unless it gets completely covered, it's susceptible mm-hmm. to erosion and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now this, this verse is interesting because um, it, it's a hard verse to, to translate. Okay. And the reason why it's a hard verse to translate is because this word, uh, the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Stir is just, it, it's way too gentle. Okay. And um, in Hebrew, we have classes of verbs. And the class of verb tells you how emphatic or how long lasting or and one the intensity. Of, yes, the intensity. That's another way. Um, and this is a PL verb. So this this is kind of the difference between something's broken and something shattered. So okay. to, to stir, it, it's, it's just too simple. Um, I, I really like this. Robert Alter wrote this. And uh, if you know anybody, anything about. Bible translator Alter is a respected voice. Okay. So um, he wrote, the basic meaning of the root for a term meaning foot, it's, it's to stomp the ground. Okay. Um, thus the, the mo- sorry, can't read my own handwriting. Thus the sundry modern translators that render it here to move or are rather weak. So to move, to stir, mm-hmm. just aren't enough. The only other time the root Pa'am occurs in the Bible as a verb is to indicate the inner turmoil of a dreamer awaking from a disturbing dream. And then he cites Genesis 41, 8, which is Pharaoh waking up from his dream and Daniel 2, 1 and 3, 27. Okay. So Alter offers the translation to drive. And so the spirit of the Lord drove him. And this idea that the spirit of the Lord is going to take him over completely and dictate his actions in this moment. It's, it's irresistible. Okay. And, and it kind of fits because every other time in Samson's story, the spirit of the Lord is going to rush upon him okay. uh, where, you know, with the other judges, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The spirit of the Lord moved upon him. The spirit of the Lord clothed him. Mm. It, it's, it's not this, this almost violent attack by God on this human will. Okay. And it's very rare, which I think is really interesting that when you do see this kind of, um, this overpowering time with God in the spirit, it is rare. It's so rare that translators don't know what to do with it. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. You would think that this should tip tip us off to something about the way God interacts with humanity. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, this did remind me, and we're going to do a little rabbit trail here, because one of my um, assignments, whenever I was learning Greek, we, we translated the book of Mark. Mm-hmm. So in the book of Mark, verses, chapter 1, verse 12, the translation there is the Spirit immediately drove him. And it's talking about Jesus, Jesus going out into, into the desert. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now it's a different word. I did compare the, the Greek New Testament with the Septuagint. Mm-hmm. It's a different word, but the meanings are almost identical. And the, uh, 
the Bible really is making it clear that this is about God's going to fulfill his purposes in this person. Um, a lot of times it's about submitting to the Holy Spirit in those times of temptation. Samson's whole life is going to be one big temptation. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Jesus shows it's only by continuing to go back to what God has revealed in his word, going back to what you've already been taught, that you can really resist those temptations and do what is right. Samson, I, he, he doesn't do that. Never once does he reference scripture. Never once does he seem to even care about what's been revealed in the Torah. Right, right. So, or the consequences of his actions. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this, this guy totally does not take responsibility for his actions. Yeah. And we've got some very specific examples of that coming up in the next chapter. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's going to be real fun to get to those. Cause I mean, like, like I said, we growing up in church, we, we have a very sanitized version of this. And, and like, like I said, I said it as a joke, but it's like, just imagine being the, the writer for the Baptist quarterly going, you know, someone <laughs> going here, make this readable for kids. Like, this is not, I don't know how you do it. This is not a story to be applauded. Uh, it, it's not a story to be celebrated. I, I think well, by the time we get to the end of it, I think we're going to be looking at Samson is given so many of the opportunities that line up almost parallel point by point with Christ himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's not even Samson makes an okay choice. It's like there's a good, better and best choice. And he goes out of his way to find the worst thing he could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And we really begin to see his downfall in, in his character, in his integrity. And I, I kind of wonder, do we have to ask the question, did he grow up knowing that he was special? That, I mean, by all, by all, I mean, he, he kind of does. I mean, you kind of get that impression because you, the, he acts like, I mean, think about the, the stereotypical only child mm-hmm. who's been told they're special their whole life. <laughs> Yeah. And that they can do no wrong and how demanding they are. And I, I mean, and I'm not saying every person who's an only child is, is like that because I've, I've known some that are just great, wonderful, people. Yeah. loving, giving people. But They had but great parents. <laughs> they, yes, they had great parents. But I, I do think you have this nothing was held back from what he wanted growing up and that, I mean... It's very like, possible, except except for the things that made him a you know a Nazarite. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there was probably that, but I mean, he would have had. To, I think he would have almost have to give that message to a child to keep them from eating meat, yeah, or wanting some of the great. Well, he juice. could eat meat. Or, <laughs> yeah, he he could eat meat under under numbers. He could eat meat. Oh, he but, could eat. Yeah. Meat? Okay. That that I only, thought that filed filed under something dead. Uh, that only came into being whenever we started seeing the other restrictions off added by the rabbis to build oh, a hedge around the law. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. So at this point, he could still eat meat. But you know, according to all standards at this time, at this point in time, he is basically a divine being. He's a quasi divine being. Okay. And um, he's been you know, supernaturally conceived. Mm-hmm. He has supernatural giftings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a supernatural purpose. And, you know, this is the reason why we see so many point by point lineups with um, Hercules. Right. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a future episode. But okay, that'll be fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, we and we're just going to hit some of it going over the story um, going forward. But then I think maybe for a wrap up episode, we're going to look a little bit more deeply. Okay. But you know, if you if you're raised with that mentality that you literally are a gift from God, mm-hmm. not just the way that I say it over my granddaughter, right? <laughs> but right. That's got to impact your psyche. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the like yeah, like I said, the the, the child who's told that they're special and that they're they can do anything they want to do and don't let anyone tell you no. Yeah. Uh I that's that's the impression I get because whenever you get into um the chapter 14, Samson tells, you know, he sees he sees a Philistine woman and says, "Hey, go get me that woman." Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> and, and when his parents try to warn him off, they're like Wait a, what, what, what isn't, isn't there a nice Jewish girl is pretty much what it boils down right. to is what yeah. they say. And he says, but it's, she's right in my eyes mm-hmm. and notice that. Yeah. So you have, my you have a microcosm of, of, of the entire book of judges that there was no King and all of Israel did was right in their own eyes. Precisely. And, and including the judge, the judge. Yeah. Yeah. At this point. And isn't this a reflection of today's society? Yeah. I, but it's all of humanity from all time. It's not just today. It, we don't like what the Bible says, so we, we ignore it. Right. And there's got to be a better reason to do what I want to do than what God has commanded me to do. And, you know, we also have to ask ourselves, too, with Samson, is he obeying the Torah and the rules of the Nazarite? Or is he just subject to the rules of the Nazarite? Is he even doing that well? <laughs> and it's... It becomes this big convoluted mess of this of this man who should be delivering the nation, mm-hmm. but gets so caught up in his own personal drama that we really have absolutely no reason to follow him. The the nation has no reason to follow him. Yeah, well, I, it's again uh, like we've been saying since we since we started in Genesis. Don't deify these people. Don't make them the hero of the story because they're not. Well, and I, I think that's one of the things we've run into. You talk about counter arguments against our faith is when people start saying, oh, well, you know, you serve a God who he, he believed a man with seven wives was a hero or somebody who offered their own son up as a mm-hmm. hero. And then when you, when you begin to, were they really celebrated as a hero or were they just who God was using at that moment? Is he redeeming what they were doing and is he teaching the lesson through them and in spite of them? to reveal something greater about God and we're getting focused on the wrong thing. We're getting stuck in the wrong point of the narration. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it it's <laughs> kind of general narcissism, I guess. I mean, if there's a story about a person, we assume, yeah, you know, we want to put ourselves in that role. Mm-hmm. And because I mean, that's how we're told to read it in. I mean, that's how I was taught to read growing up is when you read a book, you need to think of yourself in that role and imagine what it's like to be that person. And it's like, yeah, well, that, that might not be the best idea with the Bible. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually, you brought that up and I was thinking of uh, the latest kerfuffle in Christendom uh, with uh, MacArthur and Beth Moore. One, oh, of the, no. one of the critiques there was, you know, that she, she reads herself into the Bible stories. Right. And okay, fine, do that. But understand what's being said about this person. Understand how they're flawed and ask yourself, is this something you need to get out of your life? Is this something in yourself that you need to confront so that God can 
begin to heal that and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. work through that. Yeah, no, that yeah, that that does make sense. I'm I'm just yeah, I'm saying <laughs> it's not flattering to put yourself in those. It stories. shouldn't be. And and that's actually a fantastic series by uh, uh, Tim Mackey. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna steer us away from the from what you were talking about. <laughs> um, but uh, Tim Mackey uh, did a great uh, series on Jonah where he talks about the idea of Jonah is is it's it's satire mm-hmm. um it's it's to to satirize the people of israel and say hey you need to identify with jonah in mm-hmm. this because look look at the only people who are acting like they follow god in this right is the ninevites mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. only like you have a prof the prophet of god he's he's acting like the ninevites he's he's rejoicing over the idea of people dying yeah i mean whoo that's that's cutting i mean and and i tell you i mean you know i who is it who is it was it luke who said on his show that the he refers to the dumpster fire of social media (laughs) on twitter that sounds like something luke would say and you know what was the girl's name uh who passed away earlier this year who is the is it wasn't hat maker was it oh um uh, rachel held evans rachel yeah when she passed earlier this year the people who were who who work for the church who mm-hmm. were, you know work for these ministries talking about what a great thing it was that she died and i'm mm-hmm. just like where are your where's your head at right where's your heart at yeah i mean I, you you may disagree with her teaching but don't be happy that someone died Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And so, yeah, go back and read Jonah. Put yourself in Jonah's shoes. <laughs> That's yeah, read yourself into that story and and find out that. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It drives me nuts that people want again. We want to clean it up. Jonah. Jonah's not a role model. Right. Right. He, he's 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 a he's a diagnosis. <laughs> well, and I think that's what Samson winds up being, because. It is, like you said, that narcissism, and we have to confront our own tendency to be narcissistic, and it's Samson's narcissism that stands in the way of him fulfilling his purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and I say fulfilling the purpose, he never leads an army. He never calls the tribes to unite behind him. Deborah does more to to free the people of oppressors than this big, strong man. Yeah, I mean, and as, and as we get into the story, we'll see that, like, most of his story is is involved with sleeping with prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is the man that we want to hold up to our kids and oh, be strong in the Lord like Samson. Really, is this is this what we want to to teach our kids? Is this what we want to encourage ourselves with as believers? Samson wasn't any use to God until those last few. What? Okay, I'm overstating this. Samson was used by God throughout his entire life, but he didn't join with that purpose. He didn't align himself with that mm-hmm. purpose until the very end. Everything up to that point was in spite of him, where those final moments of death is when he finally said, I, I'm going to give it all to my God and for my nation like I was intended to do. Yep. And that's what I think we need to remember. This isn't some act of bravery that that happened because he was out fighting God's enemies to to free them. Every situation Samson got into is because he was 
I'm trying to clean this up. Because he was following his own desires. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's so, probably the, the <laughs> nicest way to put that. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think you had a cleaner, uh, uh, it was cleaner than my talk earlier, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> so... um. I'm guessing that's uh, where your notes pause, huh? Well, this is where my notes pause. Uh, how much time we got left? We can go. Yeah, we got about five minutes. Got, oh, so. well, we aren't going to go that long. Yeah, because yeah, we're going to get more than... Yeah, we're a little short than normal, but we, you know, you got five minutes over last week, so... Or two weeks ago, anyway. Absolutely. Well, so. you know, and this is... This is more speculation that we get into, and, and this is the thing. Uh, I, I think a lot of times Nathan and I tend to hold back on talking about the philosophical, the application, the, the, the things that we see in scripture, how they play out today, because we've, we're trying to be respectful of our audience, but at yeah. the same time, um, you know, I think one of the things I think going forward is that we've talked about trying to give ourselves more freedom to go there. And I think we're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I definitely think we, we got into some application in some, some current events and <laughs> mentioned some names, but, uh, we tried it. We try to avoid that unless it's necessary. Oh, so. I don't think we mention the names in a bad way. So I, I try not to. So <laughs> anyway, um, that being said, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, Raven Creek SC on all social media uh, can get you in touch with us. RavenCreekSC.com. Uh, there is a contact link there with an email address. Feel free to, <laughs> to hit that up and uh, go check out some of the other shows that are there. Um, Please, please, please share this um, if you liked it. <laughs> Even uh, if you didn't like it, share it anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you didn't like it, share it. Uh, complain about it to your friends, whatever. <laughs> we'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Um, write us a review on iTunes. Um, whichever one of those you like to do, uh, we appreciate it and every bit helps. Um, so other than that, I think we're good for this week and we'll see you next week. We'll be back with even more of, of Samson's crazy deeds and mishaps. <laughs> So thanks. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.